Are you tired of a sky-high mortgage payment? You can refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's Fixed Home Equity Loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today with UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 84 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today we have big-time news, finally introducing our brand-new recruiting reporter here at Kentucky Sports Radio, Zach Gagan. We've had him on in the past to talk exclusively about, um, you know, Cats in the NBA, talk a little bit about women's basketball at times. Uh, He has finally uh, moved up the ranks, and he is officially all in on Kentucky basketball recruiting. Um, Zach, first off, how the heck are you? I'm doing fantastic. And that being said, I am actually in Greenville, South Carolina right now, covering more women's basketball. Yeah, so so you wanted to – you know, you kind of made women's basketball your baby over the last – two years ish this is yeah two and a half two and a half years or so Uh, but this was like the first year that it was like all right this team could be something special we wanted to make sure that you could you could see see the rewards of all the hard work that you put in covering this team uh for the last two years so you you're gonna close out this season with a bang covering the women's basketball tournament uh the sec women's basketball tournament in greenville and then following it up by i believe you're going to that women's ncaa tournament as well right well we're gonna see how that all plans out because texas just um lifted their mask mandate so i'm not even entirely sure if the ncaa would want to still hold it down there if it's gonna be too late and who knows how that's going to all go, but I do, I, uh, the intention is to finish it out and, uh, hopefully go to that final weekend. If it, if it plays out, you will be there, um, and finally see the rewards of all that hard work that you put in, but you, I've never been slow- to San Antonio, so right. I'd like to go. I will yeah, say ab- for that boardwalk is really cool. The river walk. Absolutely. So we are tr- slowly transitioning this show. Um, so with the news, I have shifted into a, a into the Kentucky basketball beat writer role with a secondary interest of basketball recruiting. Zach is going to be all in on Kentucky basketball recruiting. So we have decided with this Source of Save podcast that we're going to do at minimum two shows a week. And Zach, you're going to have to hold me to it because, you know, schedules get busy and all that. We have to have two episodes a week for fans to listen to and enjoy where one episode is going to be dedicated entirely to basketball recruiting news, um, updates, draft decisions, you know, those type of roster management type questions. And then, um, and then the other episode is going to be dedicated with, with Sean Smith and David, David Sisk, where we, it's just all game breakdowns and, you know, the things that you guys have come to love so much on this show. Uh, so, it, I mean, it, the, the show's not going anywhere. If anything, we're, you know, building onto our work. Expanding. We, we are expanding to uh, make sure that we cross, uh, cross all T's, dot all I's, and, and make sure you guys have the best product possible. So with this show, we wanted this to be kind of an introductory to Zach as a, you know, with his new role with recruiting and kind of talk a little bit, you know, where there's only one game left in the regular season. Uh, UK's 8-15. and 15. The team sucks. There's not a whole lot of positivity to talk about. So we wanted to use this first you know, kind of recruiting edition slash roster management edition of this show to kind of break down what's next because you can only talk about, oh, this team sucks. There's, you know, nothing positive to talk about. You can only talk about that so much before, you know, you start tuning your own self out. So we wanted to use this as an opportunity to talk about who's going to come back, 
who's leaving, who is Kentucky targeting in the transfer portal, uh, who, you know, could, could we see a reclass guy in the class of 2022? How is Kentucky going to round out this next year's roster to make sure whatever the hell just happened doesn't happen again? So, Zach, this is a great opportunity for you to just kind of, first off, what, you know, what, say you're Coach Cal, how do you envision uh, closing out this roster with, with additional pieces? Who would you go after if you were in Coach Cal's shoes, uh, just in terms of, of style of play, you know, specific skills you're looking for that, that this team desperately needs going into next season? Like in terms of filling out next season's roster? Yes. Well, so that Jimmy Dykes uh, thing where he said, what was it, eight, seven or eight new players would be brought in? Right. That seems a little high to me personally, unless he's really expecting a big, massive, you know, exodus of players, which I'm sure there will be a, at least we kind of talked about it beforehand, you know, uh, guys like Cameron Fletcher, Lance Ware, Dante Allen, who really knows what's going to happen with them. Um, but then next year, you know, looking to fill it out, um, I think it's obvious that B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark are gone. So that's where – guys like Damian Collins and Nolan Hickman will immediately come in and try and fill those type of voids. And um, if we can get a second year, ask you, I'm really, I actually am really banking on that. Um, and I think even if he comes off the bench, I think Nolan Hickman's probably already a better player than him. Um, but I think, I wonder if we're going to be doing the same thing we did last year where we're like, Oh, well, Devin Askew's going to come in and he'll be just fine. So I, I don't know if that's going to be the same situation with Nolan Hickman, but it sure seems like Nolan Hickman's a lot better than, than Devin Askew is right now. Well, and, and that was kind of – that kind of leads into the uh, – we're kind of going to go player by player and break down the latest with what I'm hearing. And, and I don't know if you've heard anything as well about, um, you know, where these players are leaning and kind of the, 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 the trajectory of what they were expected to be when they got here. So, and I think that's a good place to start with Devin Askew because he's been the one guy that's gotten a lot of criticism – um, this season for being, you know, underwhelming as a five-star reclass point guard. Um, it, it, you know, at times he has looked okay. You know, so, you know his, his assisted turnover ratio there for a while was pretty solid. Um, you know, just kind of came and didn't make a lot of mistakes. He wasn't putting up a, a ton of points a game, but he was, was kind of right place, right time. Um, but his, some of that production has taken a, a pretty steep dip, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of unnecessary turnovers a lot of the the reclass freshman miscues are starting to present itself again kind of similar to what we saw to start his career here at Kentucky the first couple weeks so yeah so uh, the criticism of, of Askew has been justified I think but there's been this sense with Kentucky fans has been kind of frustrating of uh, well, Devin Askew's just not cut out to be a Kentucky. He's not made for this. He has no, you know, he's not fast enough. He's not like the traditional Kentucky point guards. He's, you know, the, he needs to transfer out. And Calness needs to restart at the position. You know, th those type of narratives are out there. And I, I think those, those are just bogus. Um, I, I just think when you have a guy that uh, he's, he's a lot of people keep using that crutch of he reclassified up here. He's still supposed to be in high school. And yes, that's technically true, but he's still on par age wise with his peers in the class. Well, and I have, I don't know if this is entirely true or not. This could all just be completely random, but I think I heard something that maybe he got purposely held back in like grade school or something to kind of put him on that. So like, even though he was supposed, like he was still a year younger um, in terms of his grade class, like you said, he's still the same age. Yeah. So it's not, I don't he think was, he actually missed – it's not like he skipped a whole year of high school. Yeah, he, like, I don't think what people are trying to say. He was an early holdback. Um, so he was an early holdback to kind of develop his game. He was a little young. They wanted to um, – yeah. they, they wanted to develop – you know, let him develop a little bit more and, and kind of play up. When he got to that junior year of high school – in talking to his family, I'm very close with with, with his family. Um, they said that he finally got bored at the high school level and said, I, I'm ready for this next challenge, even though I kind of understand that my first year at Kentucky isn't going to be all sunshine and roses. Um, he kind of knew going into it that this was going to be a transition year for him because he just he was wanting to take that next – he wanted to challenge himself instead of just being bored at the high school level at modern day. Well, and think about it like this, like when he's – if when you're a high school senior, what more is he really going to have to gain as opposed to, you know, what, like you said, if he's getting bored of it, another year in high school isn't going to make him any better. Or, you know, it's, it's that go to Kentucky. You, you 
learn however you have to learn. Unfortunately, he learned in the worst way possible, but it's still a learning experience. You know, it's, he's not, he didn't get the stuff he's learning right now. He would have never gotten in high school and it's going to set him up for a much easier sophomore year. Um, and it, it kind of just puts him a year ahead of his original trajectory, in my opinion. I, I talked to his dad uh, before the Tennessee game, I believe, just this most recent Tennessee game. And I was like, dude, talk to me. You know, let, let me know what's going on in your head. How, what are your thoughts on how this year's going? I know you have to be hearing all the noise that, that, that you know, Kentucky fans are saying. And it just, just it, it's a, this had to have been a very difficult season for you as a dad. Talk to me through it. How are you doing? And he was like, dude, my son is playing 30 minutes a game at the University of Kentucky playing for a Hall of Fame coach, uh, learn, you know, learning under Joel Justice, learning over Jay Lucas, learning under Bruiser Flint, learning under uh, Tony Barbie. Yes, we understand that this season is not going as planned. We know that he's struggling and he's, you know, he, he's like it's, you know, the timing of some of his turnovers are, are very frustrating and he's not making shots the way that he did in high school. All of those things. Devin Askew's dad, Brian, is one of the best – clear-minded, not buying into the hype parents I've ever come across. He knows exactly who his son is. He knows exactly what his what he struggles with. He knows exactly what he's good at. He knew going into this that this was going to be an adjustment for, for his son, and it has been. Nothing – their their whole mindset of of the of you know the the process at Kentucky and how things are going, nothing has changed for them whatsoever. This is going exactly as planned. Going into it, Kentucky thought they had Cade Cunningham locked up. He he committed to Kentucky on his official visit. UK was going all in on him. Coach Cal recruited like an absolute madman to get the number one player in college basketball to come in, or high school basketball, to come in and kind of take over the reins as the lead point guard for this Kentucky basketball program. Devin Askew was not supposed to be the 35-minute-a-game point guard going into this. It just happened. It just happened that Davion Mintz was not a true point guard. And even though he looked a lot better than we anticipated this last game, and, you know, that Cal kind of hinted that he might be going forward with just saying, screw it, let's, gonna ha- let's have Davion Mintz doing this. But Cal always had Devin in his back pocket as a reclass guy. If we're going to go all in on Cade Cunningham, and at the very, very least, we're going to have a reclass point guard come in and be kind of the stable force. And at that time, they thought Brandon Boston Jr. and Terrence Clark were going to be superstars. So had they been the superstars that we anticipated them to be, Devin Askew wouldn't have needed to have the ball in his hands all that often. He wouldn't have needed to get as many shots as he's taking or try to make plays the way he is. He was supposed to be the transition point guard into next year before he could take over as the lead guy. It just didn't happen that way. UK didn't get Cade Cunningham. It was too late in the process to get some of the other guys. Jalen Suggs, you know, there, a lot of people are like, well, you know, why do they have to rely on Devin Askew? How did we even get to that point? It's like, well, Jalen Suggs was leaning toward going the pro route. Everybody and their mother thought he was going pro, wouldn't ever touch, touch Gonzaga's campus before he actually did. So I don't, I don't fault Cal and, and the staff for going to that because how much more frustrating would it have been to sign him and then have him never make it on campus as opposed to taking that risk? I don't fault him for that. Cade Cunningham didn't come. Um, Caleb Love had already committed to North, North Carolina and – at the time, he was seen as a comparable point guard to Devin Askew. He wasn't all that special in terms of ranking and all that. The point guard class really wasn't all that impressive. So UK and, and Calipari and UK did what they what I would have done in, in their exact shoes. I saw Devin Askew play in high school. I loved him to death. I saw him at the a, on the AAU circuit. He was incredible. I, I don't fault Cal's decision-making process for how this whole – point guards fiasco came into it had Ashton Hagen's return instead of going to the NBA route then we wouldn't even be in this we wouldn't even be having this conversation it was just one of those things where it was a domino effect of one bad thing happening after the other that got us to this point so I think fans need to kind of take a step back and realize that this was always going to be a multi-year plan Devin was always going to be at least a two-year player and that process hasn't changed at all think of it as he is a true freshman reclass player getting 30 plus minutes a game learning he he can go nowhere but up at this point 
Yeah, and next year will be, it'll just be so much easier for him in terms of pressure and everything because Nolan Hickman will come in and help. I'm sure they'll, if Davion Mintz comes back, if not, I'm sure they'll add another some handler. Um, I don't think Sky Clark is going to reclass. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that. Ultimately, I don't, I don't believe he's going to do that. So um, I think it's, it's just going to be a lot easier. The pressure is really going to be the big thing. And it doesn't seem like he, or just from, you know, what you're saying about his dad and, and uh, Devin himself, the pressure doesn't seem to be the thing that's getting to them. It's just, he's just not necessarily good enough right now to, you know, be playing SEC basketball for 35 minutes a game. So, yeah. And, but in Cal's, in Cal's head, what's the alternative? Davion Mintz has been a shot taker over and over. I mean, he, he is, you know, yeah, he, he's been making, you know, making these dagger shots, but he has been a high volume point guard and Cal very rarely feels comfortable having the ball in your highest volume shooter in his hands nonstop because it one it, it I think he said this after this last game it takes away his best ability as a catch and shoot guy because he's trying to set up for other guys he you know Davion Mintz finished with eight assists and, you know he had a really good game uh, just this last just on Tuesday but Cal, in an ideal world, Devin Askew plays through his mistakes, figures it all out, and lets Davion Mintz be the be you know the player that he was brought in to be as that role, uh, you know, role high level scorer. So it just you know that that side of things it just didn't work out the way that Cal had hoped, and and he's kind of uh, you know trying to adjust as as well as possible, um, you know, during the home stretches of the season, almost kind of as a bridge to next year. I think, I think whether Cal admits it or not, I think this is officially turning into a, a two plus year plan for Cal and the rest of this roster. And, and, you know, on that note, let's just go down the roster. Jacob Toppin, he was brought in to be a multi-year guy. He wasn't even supposed to play this year. This was supposed to be right. a red, a didn't red think he was going to play. It was supposed to be a red shirt season for him. He didn't even think he was ready to play this year until he just kind of stumbled his way onto the floor got eligible. And, you know, he ended up being one of UK's best role players. So, that's definitely a guy that you can pencil in as a, as a, as a returnee alongside Devin Askew. I don't think Devin Askew's going anywhere, you know, talking to his dad, talking to his family. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see him leaving anywhere. He's not transferring. He's, he's, you know, it on their own decision, whether, you know, maybe Cal um, on that Jimmy Dykes quote where it's, you know, seven or eight departures. I don't know if that's hinting that Cal wants a restart with his roster or what, but if it's up to Devin and his and his family, he's going to be back in in Lexington next year. Uh, and then the big two: BJ Boston, Terrence Clark. Uh, that Sam Vichini, gone and gone. That Sam Vichini quote yesterday kind of turned heads with you know, the BJ Boston. Maybe his decision could go either way. Um, I was told going into this season that it didn't matter if both of them broke their legs and they were, you know, sitting on the sideline as cheerleaders all season long. They were going to be in Lexington for one season and one season only. It did not matter at all. Um, Terrence Clark almost didn't even make it on campus originally. Uh, he had talks with the G League. Um, and I, I never – I don't think I've ever said this on this podcast before, but since we're, you know, kind of restarting the scoop side of things with with this side of the show um, – Terrence Clark was deep in discussions with the G League at the same time as Jalen Green was in discussions. Jalen Green and Terrence Clark were not fans of each other at all. Um, that was part of the – during the recruiting process when Jalen Green was highly considering Kentucky and Terrence Clark was highly considering Kentucky. It was a one or the other situation. UK was not going to end up getting both. So, uh, you know, in talking to people around the G League and that know how that situation unfolded, Terrence Clark absolutely had a G League offer on the table, but when Jalen Green signed on to 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 participate, that kind of that offer was kind of pulled, and and you know the decision was made for him to not end up going to the G League. So uh, Terrence Clark came to Kentucky, and he want he wanted to be here. He you know it's a I mean I'm not faulting his decision making process and all that stuff, but he came in with the mindset of. He almost went pro the first time around. He's not going to pass it up no matter how this year went the second time around. He is. He will be going pro after this offseason. B.J. Boston, I know mm-hmm. um, things didn't go as planned this year, but um, he's, he's another one of those guys. He was projected to be a top three draft pick. When you have that in your mind going into a season, nothing is going to change that. Look at Scal. You know, Scal Abissier was a, the number one draft pick going into 
his his season didn't go as planned, but he was still, you know, he still entered the draft knowing he was going to be a first rounder. It's going to be the almost identical situation, in my opinion. Um, Dante DJ Allen. Boston and Terrence Clark are going to get – they're getting drafted too. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're first. Just, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think they they're may both. Have, they may have cost themselves some money in terms of, you know, where they get picked, but they're getting drafted. And I honestly think that B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark will both be fine NBA players. I don't – they're both still 18, 19 years old. I have no – there's – they should leave. Um, they should leave. Davion Mintz, uh, just quickly, there's a lot of discussion about him potentially coming back. Um, I'm still hearing that that's still a very strong possibility that he's he's very, very much in, interested in, in making that happen. Not a done deal by any means, but just, I think he's just kind of relayed to the coaching staff that it's, it's a conversation that he's willing to have that he's willing to have. And I think that's something that intrigues the coaching staff for sure, uh, because they did not anticipate that going into the season. Uh, Dante Allen was a player that I said I said on this show just a couple weeks ago that uh, if I had to make a guess that he transfers out of the program, um, that there's a lot of upset uh, individuals inside of his camp, his family that did not like how the season was going, that um, thought that he was Dante was losing you know confidence in himself and his his own faith as a basketball player because of how Cal was treating him and you know th- those sorts of things that he was going to try to just get a fresh start somewhere else I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday that um who previously told me that it that things were up in the air and that they were going to play by year and we'll see how it goes um you know d- definitely did not make it sound like it was a done deal that they were going to return and let me pull up the exact quote to you know kind of get fans at least a little excited about it um exact quote he's not going anywhere he's a wildcat for life i love his attitude about um he knows he should be playing but he's absolutely trusting the process so that is um, we shall see that is something that is it's a big change of heart from what i had heard in recent weeks uh there was a lot of of uh anger and frustration on that side of things so I don't know if Cal fixed that I don't know if he kind of um, you know worked things over had an individual you know one-on-one meeting with him and kind of sat him down and said look you're still part of our long-term plans and maybe that's what they needed to hear but uh, definitely a change of of heart and, and tone from what I had heard in the past so definitely good news on that front Keon that is the number one guy that I think Cal has to get selfish about and say Look, you're not come ready. back, please. You're, you're not ready for the NBA yet. You got to come back. I think uh, you're going to have a PJ Washington level jump from year two to year three, the way PJ did from year one to year two. Um, I think Cal has to get selfish on that one and say, you know, I, I'm usually sure. I I leave it up to you. You can make your own decisions, but that's a guy UK has to have back next season. Well, I don't even think he. I mean, I love Keon. I think he's this year, but he hasn't performed to and as he said the injuries as well but he just hasn't performed to the level that would justify him going to the nba you know yeah he's been he's been a very good player this season more often than not i mean he's he's made a a strong impact across the board on the on the box score but just he's a little too limited on both sides i think right now and that's that's gonna hurt his potential like i don't think he would get drafted if he were to go Right. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a, a chance he'd get drafted right now. And, and those type of players, Cal just has to figure out a way to, you know, the EJ Montgomery's of the world, the Ashton Hagen's of the world, where, you know, EJ Montgomery isn't even signed on to the G League uh, bubble, a, a G League bubble roster that they're, you're, they're playing that tournament down in Orlando. He's, he didn't even make one of those rosters. And Nate Sestina made that roster. Khalil Whitney. <laughs> Nate Sestina's in the G League rosters. right now, yeah. I mean, hitting threes. That, that's, that's telling that neither. Ashton Hagens nor EJ Montgomery are on on rosters for either of those right now. I mean, that, I think that's super telling. Well, Ashton Hagens kind of screwed himself over, if you remember yeah. that, where he he got all his teammates tested positive for COVID. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but I mean, right. EJ and EJ and Keon, I still have to think in, in different positions because EJ kind of came in with the idea that he was leaving no matter what, is at least what it seemed, and Keon obviously came back. So I think he's already got that mindset where he's like, well, I can come back and. He's obviously became, you know, he was what the seventh or sixth, seventh, eighth best player last year, and now he's one of our, you know, top two or three. So it's 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 clear there's a progression there, and, and if he and he can see it too. So I think it'd be a lot. I I would bet that Keon comes back, and I I, I don't think he's shown enough, and I don't think he I don't think he's seen himself show enough that he can go to the NBA. 
Absolutely. Yet. But he will be a good NBA player, I think. He's just got to start shooting better. Yeah. Um, moving, on down, moving on down the list, Cameron Fletcher. Um, yeah. That is a player that I have not heard um, the greatest things in terms of possibility of returning for another season um i've heard great things about how he's kind of responded in practice and kind of you know being a great teammate and and those sorts of things but um i don't know if the the bridge has been burned so to say um you know with with that with his family and those sort of things but i do think that there is um it's just not a great situation um all around there i think it's just kind of a Part of me thinks that if he was dead set on leaving, that he would have just left back then and said, screw it, or left at winter break or whatever the case is. So I don't know if there's a small glimmer of hope, but everything that I've heard and people that I've talked to have kind of um, just kind of penciled him in as a departure, no matter how the rest of I wouldn't blame him either, to be honest with you. And especially with the new transfer rules, I don't think we can blame any of these kids for leaving because I think it's just, it's just a lot easier right now. And, yeah, he, he would be a, a player that, you know, could go back home to a St. Louis or, a, you know, I think there was a lot of talk about him potentially going to Missouri the first time around, you know, during his recruiting process. I know he had interest from Alabama and some other other schools like that where, um, you know, he could probably get some early playing time but still be a multi-year guy. I, I'm i still – I'm a big Cameron Fletcher fan. I liked him a lot at a high school. Um, there were a lot of people, I, I've said this on the show in the past that there were a lot of people around him, um, you know, not naming names, but there were people that did not think he would make it at Kentucky and, um, you know, kind of assumed that something like this was inevitable the day he committed and, um, kind of just said, there's no chance in hell that he, he makes it long-term. And I, so for that reason, I've always kind of, had a soft spot for him. Like, man, I, I hope he proves everybody wrong and that he can. So I'm still holding out hope, you know, just based on what I've heard, I, I still haven't heard the best of things, but I, I'm still holding out that UK could, you know, kind of fix things with him and, and figure things out going into this year. Because I do, I mean, shoot, six foot six, 215 pounds. He's played some small ball four at times, some, some, you know, playing the three at times, catch and shoot guy, high energy defensive player, um, you, you know, he, he's the type of guy that you can plug and play in any single team and, and make work long-term. He's one of those guys that if you could keep him around three or four years, that he could be one of those, you know, DeAndre Liggins type guys off the bench that, that, you know, you need to, you know, build a championship level roster around. Um, it's just, you just got, we've just got to get to that point. So I'm, I'm hoping that. Well, I don't, I don't think Cal has time to wait for that. Yeah. Because, and he's, you know, he's got to start. He can't have another year like like this year. And if Cameron Fletcher is going to be taking up a roster spot, kind of doing the same amount of production he did this year, then that's you know that's that's like a waste of a spot. So that's I think that's kind of what Jimmy Dykes was talking about with the seven and eight. Like some of these guys that just aren't producing, like Cal's just he's going to bring in a guy like Podzimski, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, or or uh, one of the transfers. So he just Cal doesn't have time right now to let a guy like Cameron Fletcher developed for the next three years. Yeah, definitely. Um, Isaiah Jackson. Gone. Pencil he's him. a lottery pick. He is gone. He is so good. He's going to be – So I, good. I, I genuinely think he's going to be like an all – all NBA, at least at least an All Star level player in the NBA, kind of like the the, the emergency of, of of Bam there, where he just kind of there was he kind of reached that moment where it was like, holy crap, like he's going to be a special talent. I think he's going to have some yeah. moment. I mean, it's going to be down the road, and it's not going to be immediately. Uh, but I bet year four or year five in the NBA, Isaiah Jackson is going to be a very very special talent. Um, he's got a he's got Mitchell Robinson qualities as well on defense. The what. West for Western Kentucky guy right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, th- th- and what's nice about uh, Isaiah is he's actually kind of shown that he can shoot a little bit, not necessarily, you know, he's not shooting threes like they said he was at the beginning of the year, but he's got like a nice, he has a little face up, you know, 12 footer that he can hit. So that's something that guys like Mitchell Robinson don't have. And Bam has kind of, it's taken him a couple of years to get that too. So just kind of having that already will be nice. And like you said, he's, I mean, he's already one of the best shot blockers that Kentucky's ever had. He's he's got to be top five at least under Cal for sure. I would put Nerlens and AD, and then I'd probably put Isaiah Jackson there. Yeah, I mean he, he's so he's, he's a spe- special special talent. 
wish him luck in these last couple games that you see him as a wildcat because he's he's going to It'll be, be fun to watch the next yeah. level. Very fun. He's going to be taking that next step. Olivier Saar, um, that he said he had some comments leading up to senior day where he was like, it's not a done deal. I'm still thinking about um, you know potentially coming back next year. I just got to look at my options and see how it goes. But it doesn't make any sense, I feel like, for him to come back. He was a guy that he was going to sit out this if he didn't get declared eligible um, going into this season. That he was, um, that he was going to go overseas and play for a year, or um, you know, explore his professional options because he was not going to sit out one more season. And I mean, when you have a guy that has pro aspirations like that, kind of same thing as BJ Boss and Terrence Clark. When you have a player that goes into a season planning to leave those players almost never come back. EJ Montgomery is the clear example. EJ Montgomery said, I am a two-year player. I'm going to make this work. And when that second year finished, and even though he probably needed another year, he had it said in his head that he was not coming back. So, uh, you know, whether he, he – Olivier wants to admit it or not right now, and I'm, I'm obviously hoping he would return. That would be a great gift for Kentucky. I'm just not currently penciling him in as, as a um, candidate at this moment. And we'll end it with – Lance, no, I forgot. I actually forgot that uh, EJ came back for his uh, sophomore year. So I was wrong earlier when I said he didn't. I forgot about that entirely. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that second year was actually it wasn't. It was so underwhelming. Very forgettable. um, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lance, where I haven't heard any negativity about him and you know how his year's going. He came in. I would like to have him back. He came in knowing he was a like three year player probably. I mean, he he knew that this was going to be a long process for him and. Uh, you know, everything I've heard people around him have said that he's just enjoying this process and he's all smiles and, and just enjoying himself. So I would not anticipate he, he leaves unless, uh, you know, Cal talks to him and says, look, you know, there's not a role for you here. Why don't you go home, go to play at a Boston college or go, you know, play in the Northeast somewhere. But I just don't envision that. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of those gritty, grinded out type players that Cal Cal likes having around his program. So I, I would definitely mm-hmm. see him coming back next season. So uh, yeah. Well, well the difference between him and, uh, and, and Cameron is that Lance has actually been productive this year and has yeah had spurts where he's been one of our better players. So Cal when, knows what he has with him and you already kind of see the productive production kind of increasing. Wasn't there a motion. game that he had 13 rebounds or something crazy? I think. Yeah. No, Lance, like I think Lance Ware is a very good player. He's, yeah. he's like, He's a guy that Cal can afford to kind of build for because he already knows what he has with him right now. He knows that if he puts him in, he's going to go out there and, and get five rebounds in his in his seven minutes and play really hard. And that's – with a guy like him, that's really all Cal needs right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, all in all, probably going to be an optimistic offseason, um, at least as of right now. Um, you know, say Kentucky – beat South Carolina on Saturday, makes an SEC tournament run and makes it an NCAA tournament and, and you know, say some type of magic happens where, uh, shoot, say Keon Brooks is the catalyst for, you know, this this magical postseason and, you know, what, what – I mean, anything can happen. There's still more games to be played Probably not many more, but there's still, you know, time for a, a Davion Mance. If, if Davion – you know, averages 25 points a game in the SEC tournament and, you know, kind of proves that he's a, a high-level overseas pro guy. Maybe he just says screw it and, and goes that route. So there, there's still some time. But as of right now, I think there's plenty of optimism going into next season about where these players are leaning by my count. That's Toppin, Askew, Mintz. We'll, we'll count Mintz just, to, just being on the optimistic side. Dante Allen, Keon Brooks – um and Lance Ware and I guess Oscar Sheboy we can count him since he's coming back as well so that's seven potential guys easily add your three recruits easily the most uh of anybody in the Calipari era that would be huge and then obviously Damian Collins uh Bryce Hopkins and, and Nolan Hickman are all signed on as well to give you 10 scholarship roster players that have you know provided some level of production uh you know I think that's something to be excited about so we'll we'll end it with this um 10 players is a lot for any Calipari team, but it still feels like UK is missing. Platoon. 
it still feels like Kentucky is missing something. And that something might be a high-level veteran point guard uh, and especially a shooter. It feels like Kentucky desperately mm-hmm. needs at least another shooter or two just to, you know, if nothing else, develop long-term. So, you know, you following recruiting a lot more and, and you know, kind of getting invested in this, where do you think – where do you expect Cal to go on that front in terms of, of – um, you know, just, just as pure recruit goes. Well, if we're, if we're just looking at kind of the 2021 and who's available, I think obviously the two available ones are Podzimski and Trevor Keels. Um, you were kind of saying it doesn't feel like Trevor Keels is going to end up coming to Kentucky. Uh, Podzimski, I think probably do have a shot with him. And, you know, even though he's not necessarily the the biggest tied to recruit, like I guess some places have him as a three-star, um, but he can shoot. He's no Tyler Hero by any means, but he can shoot really well. And I think there's there's going to be – there's just – the value in shooters is still not – I don't think it's really caught up to uh, those those high school rankings, I guess, because I think Podzinski can come in and even if he doesn't – you know, even if he does like the Dante Allen role, um, I think that can that can benefit everyone. Yeah. You, just need, you just need more shooting in general. Like just the threat of a shooter is going to open up everything else and it just makes everyone better. You know, even if Podzimski can't get to the rim at all, if he can just hang out on the, on the three-point line and, and make a couple of games, that's a huge deal. It's, um, Trevor Keels, that just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Um, I don't know. The, all these other names on here seem like other spots or, or where they're going. Um, like, uh, let's see, here. who do we got here? Patrick Baldwin Jr., Hunter Salas, Jaden Hardy. I mean, do you see us getting any of those? I don't. Just no. from, from the, the short time I've been doing this, uh, it doesn't seem like either of those guys are, are leading Kentucky at all. And, with the, with the way these new uh, pro leagues are coming on, like the overtime league or whatever they just announced yesterday, like those things are going to be, they might not, it's, it might not apply for these individual players, but it's just going to be a, a continuous thing. And it's just going to make it a little bit more difficult for Cal. And I think that's why you got to go after guys like Podzimski because that's another guy that you can plan on having for two years and two or three. And you just need shooting. I really just, I generally think that's most of the issues right now is just a lack of shooting. Yeah, Jaden Hardy, um, I've heard over and over and over again, he's going to be, uh, you know, he's he's looking to capitalize on his absolute elite scoring ability. Um, I mean, he, he compares to a guy like Bradley Beal in the NBA who's putting up 40 points anytime he really wants to for a, you know, that Washington, Washington Wizards squad. So he's going to be a guy that is absolutely looking – toward his professional options and you know looking at the g league probably exploring this overtime uh opportunity maybe overseas um i know he's very close with with jalen green who has been very outspoken about how much he has enjoyed his time uh you know in the g league so ucla is in it too kentucky is you know right there with ucla i'd probably put g league slash professional route one ucla two and kentucky flirting right in that dark horse three spot because they've you know uk has been around the longest they've liked him the longest he's like uk the longest um you know i'm still leaning toward the professional route for him but you know, that that feels like a guy that Cal would put all his eggs in one basket this summer saying, we absolutely desperately need scoring. You will be the fate, you know, come save our program. Maybe that's a pitch that Jaden would like to hear. I, I'm still not thinking it's going to unfold that way. But, you know, with Coach Cal, you, you can just never know. Hunter Salas, um, I've said on this show in the past that I think he was turned off this year by not even Kentucky's lack of success, but the – outspoken fans of you know that he he has not liked the way that fans have kind of turned on the players this season and and have been on social media dogging them nonstop. and um I know that there was at least one conversation with the coaching staff where you know they kind of had to put some fires out because of some of the things that the fans were saying and you know the Hunter Salas and his you know family being like so is this a normal thing that we would have to deal with at Kentucky and um, you know, they had to fix that situation. I think, you know, I think it's the relationship has gotten better, but the team leading for his services is Gonzaga and Gonzaga. Every single time you turn on TV, they're beating everybody by a hundred and, and, you know, they have an exciting, um, high profile offense, you know, something that would be fun to play in for a combo guard, like Hunter Salas, very athletic, very fast. Um, you know, it, it's kind of one of those nightmare scenarios for Kentucky where, 
the Kentucky has its worst season in history and Gonzaga is the exact, you know, the exact opposite. Kind of copying really well. the cow rule. Yeah. It I mean, it's, it it, it's just one of those domino effects that one, two punch where it's going to be really hard for UK to make up ground there. The longer it goes in his recruitment, the better. Um, and I but I'd like to make the, I'd like to make the point that I think it, with COVID and everything, it's, it's really just made recruiting a little bit more difficult in general. And like you're saying, this summer, I think, is going to be huge in that regard because some of these relationships that just haven't been developed can very easily be developed over the summer. Uh, so I'm not necessarily you know, saying that being Hardy or Hunter Salas will change their mind over the summer, but I do think there's a greater possibility than in years past of a guy changing his mind over the course of a couple months because once they can start you know, talking to him in person and things like that, that's when you can really create those bonds, I guess, and um, – those, but that's just something that I think is going to be taken into account or not necessarily thought about right now, but could be something that changes down the road. Um, Patrick Baldwin is leaning toward actually surprisingly leaning toward Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin right now um, playing for his dad there. So that would be mm-hmm. a, a big, big time surprise, but one that I think that's, that's he would still go lottery. So that, really that's matter. kind of where he's leaning. If not, he's going to Duke. Uh, Trevor Keels right now is leaning toward Duke. So um, I, I think UK was about five months too late in his recruitment. I still don't understand. Well, what I kind of go back to what I was, the point I was saying there. Like, you know, they came on late with Trevor Keels, but maybe they did that because they know they have this opportunity in the summer where they can you know, develop or get to know him a little bit more uh, and, and also figure out the roster. I think that's part of it too. Like with some of these guys, they've got to wait and see, you know, who's going, who's coming back, what's going to happen with transfers and everything. Um, you know, the, the, the free year of eligibility, like a lot of those factors are being taken into account and they're just not going to be cleared up until about, what, I guess a few weeks from now, probably about a month. Yeah. Over a month. Yeah. So in terms of high school prospects, not a whole lot going on if you're looking for an immediate impact needs to come in and, you know, a Jaden Hardy type guy where he's a mm-hmm. plug and play. He's going to come in and put up, you know, big time, but, you know, baskets and, and, you know, kind of lead, lead the team that, that um, superstar freshman that Kentucky desperately needed this year. Um, there's not that on the table. Elsewhere, it's not going to be Podzimski. I mean, if they do land him, it won't be him. Yeah. He, he's a long-term type guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's Cal, if Cal, transfer portal, baby, if Cal wants to round out this roster with some high level players, it's going to be, um, I mean, it's it's going to absolutely have to be through the transfer. Well, and, I'll be, and I'll be honest with you. Would you almost rather – because we can, we had the two transfers that we brought in this year, like with Saar and Mintz. I guess you could count Toppin too. But really with Saar and Mintz because they've actually had multiple years. And for the most of the season, is, as random as Saar has been, he's still been one of our three best players, three or four best players. And then Mintz has probably been our second, if not our best player, all year long. So as bad as this season has been – it's, I think it's kind of, it's clear that the transfer portal works. And especially if you can just bring these guys in immediately like that. Um, if he can go out and get another guy like Davian Mintz, I would rather have that than a guy like Hunter Salas, to be honest with you, just because I think it's just going to be easier for something like what just happened last or this past this year right now to not happen again. Like a lot of it, you know, obviously we have the, the two veterans and Saar and Mintz, but they're also still rookies in that sense. But they have basic understandings of team defense and things like that, which I don't think you could say Jaden Hardy, Hunter Salas, and Patrick Baldwin would have a, a great understanding of how to play college team defense the second they walked on the court. Um, they, could st- they could probably shoot better than some of these other uh, – or score better than some of these other transfers, but there's, there's just small intricate parts of the game that it's very clear that Kentucky missed out on uh, because of COVID and not having preseason games and weird practices and – canceled games like those those I've been barking up the street forever those type of little small things that they missed out on are huge for freshmen and, and young players uh so that's where I think you've seen uh Saar and Mintz come in and, and play well because you know they just they have that that knowledge already they already kind of know what they're doing even if they're new to the system yeah um so I I wrote a post on KSR recently uh where I just kind of went through some of the top scorers and top shooters yeah. that with the one-time transfer rule that maybe Cal reaches out to, or they enter the transfer portal and Cal has some interest in, and um, 
not going to go through all of them because there's there's a lot of them. You can go back on KSR and read them if you're interested. But two that that stick out pretty pretty heavily for me: Scotty Pippen Jr. at Vandy, uh, who said just this past year that UK was his dream school growing up. Uh, he's a 20 point per game scorer. Vandy is trash. Uh, there's some rumors. Looks that Jerry, like Stackhouse might lose his job. Yeah, Jerry Stackhouse might be on the outs. So. That would be something that you would that Cal, I'm sure, is keeping his his eye on. A proven SEC scorer, 20 points per game, uh, averaging 5.2 assists, 2.9 rebounds, 1.7 steals per game, um, shooting 43% from the field, 36.5% from three, and 81% from the line. All mm-hmm. numbers, you know, re- respectable numbers in the SEC that um, certainly you know, would turn heads for for Calipari. So that would be that would be the guy that that you know you could as an instant impact type guy that you could have maybe not put up you know 20 points a game at Kentucky because there's gonna be a lot more pieces around him but you know having a 14 point per game guy that's gonna you know not turn the ball over he he does struggle a little bit with turnovers but in this type of system where it's the 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 world's not going to revolve entirely around him um I, I definitely think that's something that would be intriguing for him um you know kind of build his stock a little bit as well and then for Kentucky to have that stable force at the point guard spot I think that would be a great gift for for them and then CJ Frederick at at Iowa is a guy that uh, we've mentioned on KSR radio and on the pregame show and uh, just kind of whispers right now that there's there are some legs to that potentially being an option this that's a kid uh, former Covington Catholic star um, six foot three, 195 pounds, shot 50% from 50.8% from three on over three attempts per game this past year. So, uh, I mean, he's a high volume and Podzimski when you can get that guy, high val- high volume, high efficiency shooter from deep. Um, and you know, he's a local kid, you know, 2018 Kentucky Gatorade player of the year led Covcath to a state championship. Um, I mean, though, that's the type of guy that you would want as your plug and play shooter with experience at a very, you know, top five program like Iowa right now. I mean, that would be one heck of a get for Cal if he could get his hands on him. So those are the, those are the two names right now that if Cal is desperate to add more pieces to this roster, that that's definitely where I would look. I, I, I like those two quite a bit, um, but it's going to be a hectic off season. I mean, this with the one-time transfer yeah. rule, uh, immediate transfer rule hitting. I mean, it's it's going to be a very busy off season. Cal's. Gonna I think you're going to see some some coaching turnover too, and I think that's really what we need to keep an eye on is, uh, when you're looking at, from Kentucky fan perspective is what Power Five coaches lose their job. Those are the players that we you know need to look at, like a like a Scotty Pippen uh, Jr. I I doubt Iowa's coach is going to lose his job, but you know there's the, that Kentucky connection like you were saying. So look at look for the the coaches that get fired and then. Those are the players that Cal's going to be like, well, let's go try and get them. Yeah. And I think it's just going to be a lot easier to get them this year because of the new transfer rule. Yeah, it's, it's going to be busy. Um, you know, there might be unexpected departures on Kentucky side because that same reason the opportunity is going to be out there to go somewhere and play immediately. Um, but if there's one year to be kind of comfortable with the uncertainty, it's this one because UK and, and Calipari will be able to respond with that same level of, of all right, well, we're losing – X player with that has these, you know, X traits, let's go out in the transfer portal and find somebody with this, you know, the same traits, the same abilities, the same skill set. So the Cal is going to be able to be very flexible this off season. He's going to be able to, because he already has so many uh, players that are kind of penciled in next year, he's going to be able to be selective with this. He's not going to be desperate. Uh, we need, uh, we need some sharpshooter. So we're going to go get the best player from the Citadel or, you know, the best player from, Iona or whatever the case is we gotta find that'd be funny if we took their best player they can he can take his time with this and find somebody that is going to be an immediate impact guy that can make sure that what happened this year does not happen again and I think that's the uh, overall goal for Cal this offseason is to kind of understand that this was a joke of a year everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong uh, we just got to get through it and uh, and make sure it never happens again. So I'm, I'm sure Cal already has some some targets of interest in mind, and he's going to be busy, and he's yeah. he's going to make us busy. That's for sure. I think the transfer portal is just going to be huge, not just for Kentucky this year, but for everyone across. And as it is easier as it gets for these recruits to go straight to the G League or the pros or do whatever and make money elsewhere, 
you know, the thinner that crop is going to get and the, the more coaches are going to turn and look to the transfer portal, portal. And I think, you know, five years down the road, I wouldn't be surprised if the transfer portal becomes the new, you know, who's the best senior high school player type thing. Like mm-hmm. it's just going to be so much easier because it's like bringing in a recruit at that point, but they've already played two years at a, at a college place, you know, and they already have all that experience. And it's just going to be like, well, why would you want to bring in a high school senior? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be uh, for that reason, it's going to be very busy and I'm, I'm very, very excited. It's, it's a, uh, I've needed something to be excited about this, you know, after every game, it's like, Oh, we get to take on X team and talk about how bad UK loses or, you know, like that. I'm just so tired of that side of things that I'm, I'm very, uh, very much looking forward to, you know, some new possible additions, finding out who's returning next season. It's going to be a very busy couple of weeks for sure. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Kentucky fans are feeling the exact same way. So with that, we will get the heck out of here, let you get back to the, um, SEC women's tournament coverage and and get over there and about to head there right now cheer on the Wildcats to a victory uh Zach this was a lot of fun I appreciate you hopping on um where can fans find your work well they can find me at kentuckysportsradio.com or they can find me on Twitter where I have seen a boom in my follower uh doubled my follower count uh talk about clout but you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at zgagan Our gagan is g-e-o-g-h-e-g-a-n it's the triple g's you can find me on Twitter like as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. Have a bunch of good stuff pumping out um, where we've you know got a good good little thing going there at the uh, kentuckysportsradio.com. So keep following along with us. We'll be back again. Um, like I said, we're going to try for two episodes a week moving forward. So we're going to get a, a post-game recap of the South Carolina game and obviously kind of all in on SEC tournament play. We might just do – one episode per game and, and, you know, just kind of overload your podcast feeds for them to kind of make up for lost time. Uh, but before we get out of here for good, uh, I want to have a quick message from our friends at UK Federal Credit Union. Are you tired of sky-high mortgage payments? Refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's Fixed Home Equity Loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today at UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. With that, we will get the heck out of there. Zach, I appreciate you coming on. This is a lot of fun. We will yes, be sir. back next time for another Jam Pack Source to Say podcast. We will see you next time.